0: Working a full-time job during the week, getting out and hunting after work, leaving after five, it can, it's difficult if you had to walk. One of the nights I got out, I got out of work after five. I actually picked up my girlfriend at, at five thirty. It's getting dark at like seven thirty at this time, so you only have a couple hours to work with. So I pick her up. We drive up to this area, unload the bikes, and basically go two miles in on the bikes. If I wouldn't have had that bike, I would have I would have never been able to get to those elk in time.
1: Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 267, The Electric Hunting Mountain Bike, Quiet Cat, with Adam Parr, Hunt Tech Part 7. Support for the Big Buck Registry and the Deer Hunt Podcast comes from Rackology, everything you need in one bag. Now available at Rural King and Orsland Farm and Home storefronts or online at www.rackology.org. Hunters Blend Coffee, defending hunting one cup at a time. Finally, there's a coffee that helps rather than hurts your freedom to hunt. Use the code BBR to receive 10% off your next Hunter's Blend order. Polar Works Coolers and the Chill Zone. Specializing in the most durable, reliable thermal cups and coolers. Keep your drinks hot or cold in any element. Covert scouting cameras. Remote cameras for hunting, wildlife, and security. Morse's Sporting Goods a full line of sporting goods without the sales tax and big buck merch. You can get cool, high quality big buck t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts and hoodies and show support for this podcast by visiting www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash M E R C H. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way. That'll help us take our hunt to the next level.
2: This is Aaron Stonehocker with Tactican. You're listening to my favorite podcast, the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast.
3: This is Ralph Chance rules Marcher's Choice, and this is Vicki Santuolo rules Marcher's Choice and the Choice Television Show.
2: Hey, you're listening to the Big Buck Registry,
0: and so do we. Hey, this is Zach Sandow at Onyx Hunt, and you're listening to one of my personal favorite podcasts, the Big Buck Registry.
1: Hello ladies and gentlemen, fellow predators. My name is Jay. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Buck Registry's deer hunting podcast. For Dusty Phillips and Jim Keller and the entire staff here at the Big Buck Registry, welcome to this week's show. There are a couple things I'd like you to do for us if you could. If you would, please check us out on iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a review. With your help, we're going to try and push this show up the iTunes charts. I know we have a lot of listeners out there and I need you to take some action. I need you to leave a review and subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe, that'll give you access and notification each and every week that a new show is released. You can also access this show in its entirety on YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and as an Amazon Alexa skill. Go to Alexa and say, Alexa, enable Big Buck Registry. It's all right there for you to access on demand at your fingertips. Regarding the harness program, we have an ample supply of harnesses to give away from our volunteer donors. If you're in need of a full-body harness, please send an email to j at bigbuckregistry.com. It's hard to imagine that a bicycle would have anything to do with deer hunting. For years, we've relied on vehicles, our trucks, our ATVs, our UTVs, to get us deeper into the woods to our hunting spots. But a bicycle? Well, it turns out, with a little ingenuity from some outdoor enthusiasts... And a redesign of a legendary mountain bike, fatter tires, better suspension, a motor, and a hardcore battery like you'd find in the futuristic Tesla automobile, the all-terrain electric bike was born. We discuss in detail with Quiet Cat's Adam Parr how they engineered what is perhaps the most innovative electric all-terrain bicycle on the market and how it will likely change the future of how hunters go quietly to and from their favorite hunting spots with the efficiency of an ATV. And as a result of our conversations with Quiet Cat, they have generously offered all of the listeners of the Big Buck Registry to receive a 15% discount on their order by using the discount code BigBuck15. That's Big Buck 15 to receive 15% off your Quiet Cat order. We'll get to our entire interview with Adam Parr from Quiet Cat in just one moment. But before we do, let's hear from our friends at Rackology, Polarworks Coolers, and Jim Keller with the Deer News.
3: I still can't believe that's all you're
2: taking. I got everything I need all in one bag.
1: Racology Deer
4: Supplement and Attractant, developed through years of intense scientific research, comes a product that puts it all in one bag. Superior Attractant, scientifically formulated vitamins and minerals, and all at a much better price. To get yours today, please check out racology.org for a list of dealers. Racology, how can you afford not to use it? Everything deer need,
1: all in one bag. I always wanted one of those high-end coolers because of the quality that I had heard of, but I couldn't justify the price. Then I found PolarWorks. Finally, I found a company that understands quality and affordability. The PolarWorks lineup is extensive and is filled with Polar cups, Polar tubs, and Polar soft coolers. So check out PolarWorks.com when you're considering your next high-quality cooler without breaking the bank. That's www.polarwerkz.com.
2: For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Our first story this week, MDC finds first case of CWD in southwest Missouri. This story is from the mdc.mo.gov website. The Missouri Department of Conservation reports that a young buck harvested in Stone County in early November has tested positive for the deadly deer disease, chronic wasting disease. According to MDC, this is the first detection of CWD in Stone County and the first detection in the far southwest region of the state. The yearling white-tailed buck was harvested on private land the opening weekend of the November firearms deer season near Reed's Spring, approximately 15 miles from the Arkansas border. MDC staff have notified the hunter and landowner of the CWD confirmation. More than 400 cases of CWD have been found in deer and elk in northwest Arkansas since early 2016. The positive test result is from one of more than 20,000 tissue samples collected by MDC from hunter-harvested deer during its mandatory CWD sampling efforts in 31 counties the opening weekend of the fall firearms season, November 10th and 11th. MDC reports that testing of the samples continues with more than 60% of the sample test results already reported to hunters. MDC also reports 10 other deer have been tested positive for CWD this season with one from Adair County, four from Franklin County, one from Jefferson County, three from Macon County, and one from Oregon County. The 11 new positives for the season bring the total cases of CWD in Missouri to 86. MDC continues to offer voluntary CWD sampling and testing of harvested deer statewide through the remainder of the deer hunting season as MDC regional offices and at participating taxidermists and meat processors. An acid found in soil may make a disease killing deer less infectious. This story is from the ScienceNews.org website and was reported by Jennifer Lehman. An acid found in rich humus soil breaks down the misfolded brain proteins called prions that cause chronic wasting disease. When concentrations of humic acid similar to those found in soils were applied to diseased elk brain tissue, Chemical signatures of the infectious prions were nearly erased, researchers report online November 29th in the PLOS Pathogens. That suggests that the acid somehow degrades the warped protein, making it less infectious, said Jed Aiken, a prion disease researcher at the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. Chronic wasting disease, an incurable neurodegenerative disease, has devastated populations of deer, elk, and moose across parts of North America, South Korea, Sweden, and Norway. We know that environmental sources of infectivity play a role in transmission of the diseases, Aiken said. The twisted protein lurks in the rotting carcasses, feces, or saliva infected animals and eventually seeps into the soil. The infection spreads when deer graze in prion-contaminated areas. The results suggest that humic acid could be used in efforts to limit the disease's spread, possibly as a soil decontaminant, to disinfect farmland. Previously, high levels of a mineral called burnisite were also found to degrade prions, therefore limiting transmission. Alternatively, science could use this information to map which geographic areas elevate or inhibit prion transmission based on levels of humic acid in the soil, says Shannon Bartelt-Hunt, an environmental engineer at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, who was not involved in the research. The next step, Bartelt Hunt says, might be to test the effects of humic acid on prion-contaminated soil samples to see if prions can be eradicated in the environment. (laughs) Parker Bowes going out of business. This story is from the bowhunting.com website. Parker Bowes announced Monday that the company has made the difficult decision to shut down their operations. The company has explored what they believe to be all possible options to continue operations in one form or another, but to no avail. It has truly been an honor to have been a part of your hunting seasons for over two decades, the company website said, and it is hard to put into words what your loyalty and support has meant to us. Effective as of December 17, 2018, all Parker and Red Hot branded products sold will be without a warranty, regardless of statements on the packaging or owner's manuals. The company will make every effort to honor existing warranty claims for items, received in their Staunton, Virginia headquarters on or before December 31st, 2018. Before returning any items for warranty service, please call 540-337-5426 to speak with a customer service representative and obtain a return authorization number. Items received after December 31st, 2018 will be refused. Be sure to check out the Parker website, social media pages, future emails, and with your local dealer for special offers and announcements. Illinois hunter bags 51-point buck, possibly one of the largest bucks ever shot in America. This story is from the Fox News website and was reported by Madeline Farber. An Illinois hunter's 51-point kill may be one of the largest bucks ever shot in America, the State Department of Natural Resources announced this week. Keith Zabluski of Johnston City shot and killed the deer in November during the first weekend of the shotgun season in the state, WSIL Channel 3 reported. State conservation officials have since told the man that the buck, which weighed roughly 265 pounds, could have as many as 51 scoreable points. That's four more points than a world record-breaking 47-point buck, which was shot in 2016 by a hunter in Tennessee. Zabluski reported plans to take the buck's antlers to the Illinois Deer and Turkey Expo in July. There, a panel of judges will again score the animal and officially determine if it broke the record. I pray before I go hunting, the hunter told the RFD Radio Network, and on that day, I did pray to God to bring me a buck, and he sure answered my prayers. That concludes the Big Buck Registry Deer News for 2018. Special thanks to Daniel Applebaum, Tim Donzi, and Ken DeRozier for leads on this week's stories. For links to the stories featured this week, please check our show notes at www.bigbuckregistry.com. If you have any ideas for future topics or have any questions about any of these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks to Jim Keller for the deer news. Without further ado, here is
1: Adam Parr from Quiet Cat. Adam Parr, welcome to the Big Buck Registries Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm doing well, Jay. Thanks for having me on.
1: We're psyched. We're psyched to have you because as we're exploring the technology that has advanced some of our abilities as hunters, through our tech series, I thought the quiet cat, the all-terrain electric bike would be an interesting spin on, on. in addition to all the things we've been talking about. And, you know, we've, we've explored mapping and GPS stuff and, you know, just a lot of the, the new technology that the Hunter has more or less adopted in the last five to six years. And each show I go to, I see these electric bikes and I wanted to explore a lot of how they became what they are today. And how the hunter can use them in their arsenal of equipment that could make them better hunters, or and why this all-terrain electric bike might be the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you nailed it. As as hunters, we're constantly looking for the next mousetrap or ways that we can become more effective and more successful in the field, and. Technology is certainly one of those ways, from cell cameras to mapping to um, GPS to sites, all that stuff, and electric right. bikes kind of fit right into that realm.
1: Yeah, it, it is an interesting um, uh, perspective, and it, it kind—I of, think it—it it expands upon the the our travel abilities, kind of like the the four wheeler um, was for years. I feel like this is kind of replacing that in some ways. But we'll talk about all that stuff in a minute. Tell me about yourself, Adam. How are you connected to the the all terrain business, uh, the all terrain electric bike business, Quiet Cat, and and uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast because I understand you're a podcaster as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I uh, I originally grew up in Michigan and uh, been an avid hunter my whole life, whitetail hunting, deer hunting, uh, turkeys, all that stuff, and then moved out to Colorado in 2015. So I accepted a a job offer with quiet cat. Um, this was pre, before we even had the bikes and we can talk about a little bit of the history of the company a little later, but, um, started working for quiet cat. I am currently the the VP of sales for right the on. company. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of my day, day to day, obviously it deals uh, with the selling of the bikes. I work with a lot of our Larger retailers, Cabela's Bass Pro, Midway, Optics Planet, Sportsman's Guide, and then a number of, of our smaller dealers and archery shops around the country as well. Uh, I do some with the marketing and, and, and trade shows, but ma- mainly my focus is, is sales day to day. And um, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a great ride in, in the hunting industry itself and being able to kind of work in an industry that you're passionate about and is also a hobby. So that's been really cool and when I moved out to Colorado I started a blog called transitionwild.com and it's really really started out as a way for me to kind of showcase my hunts and essentially be a little bit of a a journal right and I'd kind of document my what I'm doing and scouting and hunting and then it kind of developed to more strategy and tactics in regards to Western big game, more along the lines of elk, mainly elk focused, but some mule deer as well. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun. And, and I, I got into the podcast world about a year ago, and that's, that's been really cool as well. And, and as you know, it's, it's a different medium of, of uh, content and consuming information. So it's, it's been a wild ride, been a lot of fun, and uh, I really enjoy it.
1: Very cool, man. Well, welcome to the podcast world. I, I thank you. <laughs> I love hearing that there are new outdoor podcasters out there, and I think your your job is uh, quite interesting because of the aspects that um, you're exploring new new ground. New this is this is a from what I can see uncharted territory. I, oh yeah, you know I've seen guys and gals ride their bicycle to the stand, and mm-hmm. this is this is bigger because it was just an off-road bicycle, right? And they're not riding their, their regular old street bike. They're going to re- ride their, their regular um, off-road terrain bike. But you got to pedal that. And then you got the advancements of the fat tire. The fat tire lets you go further places, right on sand and beaches and things like that. And now you've stepped it up another notch by adding an electric component to it where it can self-power through electricity, which A um makes it quiet. B means you don't have to exhaust yourself as much as you would trying to pedal that thing wherever you need to go. And you can carry gear in. So I want to get into all that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. There's there's a number of advantages to an electric bike. Like you said, it's still the same footprint. Um, you know, relatively the same size as an, as a normal bike, but you get all the advantages of, uh, you know, with the motor and the battery, not having to work as hard, you're still quiet, um, you're sent free, especially for whitetail hunters. That's important. It's portable. Um, you know, you get many miles per charge and it's just a, it's a really good option. I mean, for, and for the price points we're talking, and I'm sure we'll get into that, uh, you know, here later in the podcast, but you know, some of our bikes you can get into for as low as, uh, 2,500 bucks. And right. you know, that's, that's huge. I mean, I, it's a, a lot of guys are going out and buying $5,000, 10000 15000 on a side-by-side or an ATV, um, this definitely is a great access vehicle. It can be used very similar to a four-wheeler, but you're not paying that price point, which is huge. Right. right. All
1: right. I want to get, break this all down and ask questions as though I, I think probably listeners are asking as they're listening to this. Um, but let's start with like the the company itself and, and the electric all-terrain bike Industry. I mean, this is a little offshoot, it's a of niche. Where does this thing begin? When do we decide to add electricity to the all-terrain bicycle, and, and where does the Quiet Cat Company come into play?
0: Yeah, for sure. So the company itself was started in 2013, and it was started by Jake and Justin Roach, the twin brothers, who um, started a, actually a marketing company in the early 2000s called Urge Media, Okay. So we work with, uh, that company works with a number of brands in the hunting space, um, you know, anywhere from your bow to tree stands to game calls and uh, works with a number of kind of TV shows and uh, media centric in the in the hunting and fishing space. And uh, so that company was founded in the early 2000s and allowed them to kind of found this company as well. They also uh, own and operate performance outdoors in West central Illinois. It's a, hu- a whitetail hunting outfit. And, um, so they're constantly using, you know, that's, that's a huge for the thing for them is, is getting clients to their stands and, and accessing these properties. They were using golf carts at the time. The bad boy buggies were pretty big. Yep. Right. Um, you know, late to the starting probably mid two thousands up until, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, they were, they were all the rage, but so, um, they were using those and just, they're not portable and they're not easy to <laughs> maintain. They're big, they're bulky. And, uh, so they, they kind of came up with this concept of like, Hey, there, we feel like there's a need for something that's quiet, similar to a bad boy buggy, but yet portable and can be used in all types of terrain. So that's that kind of got their wheels spinning. Yeah, they they wanted to develop a product, and and we initially launched with what's what's known as kind of our all terrain trike. Um, this is hmm. pre before we even had any of the the two wheel bikes. So we we launched in which we still sell today. It's a it's a sixty volt um bat lithium battery powered all terrain trike that you know is similar in nature to like a a portable golf cart weighs hundred and 20 pounds, it folds up, you can haul it in the back of a truck, you can put it in the back of an SUV and and access your stands that way. So that was the original okay. kind of concept, and it's kind of evolved from there over the years.
1: It's interesting you say the trike, because if you look back, and I don't know how old you are, Adam, but... If you look back at the evolution of the ATV, it all started with a three-wheeled tricycle uh, four-wheeler. Um, that's yep. what you had back in the, the late 70s, early, and um, most of the 80s and until they added that fourth wheel, which made it more stable. Um, yep. th- this is uh, interesting that this the, your, the evolution of your bikes were kind of starting out in the same way when you started with the trike. Very yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, and the trike was more of uh, along the lines for shedding weight. And keeping it more portable, and also keeping costs down as low as possible. So that was kind of the concept. And with it being so light and and so agile, in the s- suspension system that it has, um, you know, the three wheel actually is very stable in that manner.
1: Gotcha. All right. So where do we go from the trike? From there, you go to the two wheel version. What? Wh- how's that evolution happen? What's the research and development that's going on? And in- how, how do you decide that, yeah, we should put this on two wheels instead of three?
0: Well, like I said, we, we still sell the, th- the three-wheel trike today. It's just more of a um, – it's more of the consumer that maybe has a handicap or can't balance or can't ride a you – know, can't get on and off an, a, a normal bike as well. So we still have that option. But, yeah, the need really came – let's see. We launched we launched that bike. We started developing that late 2015 and launched it um, in 2016. And, and, and we've seen just in general, whether it's, you know, obviously in the hunting, electric bikes have, have really started to kind of take shape and, and really take hold in this industry. But electric bikes have been around for a number of years, um, mm-hmm. you know, 20 plus years people have been riding electric bikes. It's just been as of recently in the last, let's say two to three years that the wave has really started to kind of, you know, gain momentum. Here, especially in the U.S. Okay. I mean, in Europe, they've been using bikes for, like I said, years and years and years. It's a huge part of their transportation. Um, but here in the U.S., that dem- that demand and that trend really started to pick up. So that's that's where we're like aha, you know, uh, the the trike is a great option, but the price points of five to seven thousand dollars were a little steep for people.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, and it, a, a bike can be used. For for many things, not just hunting, but you know, a lot of our riders are using these things to ride trails, or you know, I use mine to go back and forth to <laughs> to go grab a, a sandwich at lunch. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different applications for the bike market and electric bikes, and it just fit really well with our consumer base and what we were doing. So that's when we launched in in 2016.
1: Gotcha. So 2016. 2016- and that's when I started to see these electric bikes pop up. And, I saw, and Quiet Cat was a prominent name that I, I was seeing uh, overall. And what, mm-hmm. uh, where do you think this, this hunger for the electric bike comes from? Because, I mean, it's one thing to have a, an idea to make an electric bike, but darn, you better have a place to sell it. So you have to have a... Um, a group of individuals that feel the need and and they're not just used for hunting. Obviously we've, I've seen them in cities and seen baseball players driving them around um, like at Fenway park, for example, where do you think this hunger and desire, um, comes from for the electric bike?
0: Well, I, I think, I mean, in today's society, we're all strapped for time, right? We're busier than than ever before. Um, we're try we try to make our lives more efficient through the use of technology, through our phones, through um, cell cameras. You know, we don't no longer have to go out and pull cards if we don't want to. Um, you know, range finder sites. We don't have to, you know, use our range finder anymore if we don't want to. Um, all this technology helps us become more efficient in what we do. And I think I think the electric bike really plays into that. So, um, you know, if, if you got a hour or two to, to be able to slip out to the property and, and go check trail cameras or, you know, Hey, you got a, a 30 minute walk to your stand. Um, you know, this bike will cut it down to five to 10 minutes to getting into that stand and you're not sweating, you're not working as hard. Um, so I think it really boils down to efficiency and, and the demand of, of, of trying to do more (laughs) with less time because we're all super busy and that bike really plays into, um, into that. Um, and like I said, there's a number of advantages to an electric bike, um, for a number of reasons, but I think it's, it's really that time and efficiency and embracing the technology is where we're really riding that wave. Gotcha.
1: So there's a need, right? There's a, there's a, an identifiable need that, that people want and a want, like people want this convenience. They want to be able to get to a spot faster without burning up a lot of their own, um, electricity, so to speak. Yep. So the, each bike that you have has different features bells, whistles, components, benefits, can we start at the perhaps the entry level bike, and and maybe there's a, a generality we can draw from all the bikes. What do all the bikes do? What do they all have in common? in as f- f- far as parts, batteries, um, abilities.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there's there's you know we've we originally started with essentially two different models: a, a 750 watt um, option and a thousand watt option. Now that's grown to. Gosh, I don't even know how many we have now. We're probably pushing 12 different model options for for coming in 2019. So there's we we've, we've really widened that base because there are so many different uses. There's people with certain budgets that we gotta you know keep in mind. And you know some people hunt in the mountains where you need more power and more um, you know torque for climbing those hills. Whereas some people hunt in flatland, Kansas or Florida. You know they don't need they don't need all the crazy power, so there's a number of different options that we've that we've really developed um you know over the past couple of years. but starting out i mean our our price point models are kind of entry level would be called our rover and our ranger and the big difference with with these bikes that you'll see compared to all of our other models is that you they utilize a rear hub drive motor okay and whereas like our thirty five hundred dollar price point. Uh, models they utilize a mid-drive motor and there's a big there's a big difference between those those two motor options and and the big difference is the um the torque and the power that you get out of a mid-drive compared to a hub drive motor okay so um in in kind of a common theme with all the bikes there's there's a motor there's a there's a battery and then you've got your display um, that in, in your keypad to control your power and, you know, see your mileage and your speed and all that. And then, and then each bike is kind of broken down from there on what components are on the bike. Some have suspensions, some have uh, a hydraulic coil shock, whereas some have more of a, uh, they have an air shock. So it's a better performing system. Some have hydraulic disc brakes, some have mechanical disc brakes. Um, you know, some have different gearing options. So if you're, if you're going up in the mountains, you want, you know, it geared lower for more torque. If you're kind of in flatter terrain, you don't need all the torque, then we have different gearing sets for that as well. So there's a number of different options, but um, the Rover and the Ranger are kind of our entry level price point bikes around $2,500 bike, uh, $2,500. And, um, you know, they utilize those hub drive bikes. So if you're hunting in the mountains and going up a, a lot of steep hills and terrain, I would I would want to see you in more of the mid drive um, bikes, the next tier up, so that you know you have what you need to to get to your stand or access the property.
1: Okay, so the rover and the ranger—that's kind of your entry level, running uh, between low twos, mid twos, two thousand yep. dollars entry yep. level.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: These bikes are built for more or less the flatter terrain and. Because you don't need as much torque to get up the mountains.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and you can certainly use the hub drive bikes in the mountains. Like I, I Elk hunted off of a of Ranger um seven fifty, which is which is the um one of the hub drive bikes. And and you can definitely do it. It's just you have to you know, sometimes pedal more or work a little bit harder than you would have to with the mid-drive bikes, like such as the Ambush 750. So that's the big difference. These bikes will work anywhere in the country for most terrain. It's just, um, you know, with anything. I mean, you, there's, there's, uh, you have to sacrifice a little bit if if you jump down into to some of those lower price point models. Okay. But for the guy in Florida or Kansas or flatland, he doesn't need he doesn't need all the power. Um, you know, so that's why I spend the extra money. So there's, there's a lot of different options to weigh and a lot of considerations to, to factor
3: in.
1: Okay. All right. Let's start breaking that down a little bit more. So this is just in general, you know, because I've, I've never ridden one of these things. I've, I've, i think I played on, on one of your quiet cats in the front lobby there at the ATA show last year, just kind of sat on it, but yeah. what, to, how does it, how does it work? So you've got you have an electrical component, but it's still a bicycle. So how does, how does that all kind of play in, and the braking systems and all that? Is it, is it computerized, or is it mechanical, or is it a combination of both? Can you pedal? Yeah. How does the electricity work in for the motor?
0: Yeah, so, so great questions. You, you have an option with our bikes. Um, so we do have a thumb throttle. So if you don't even want to pedal, you can just hit throttle, and and you'll go you don't okay. have to start pedaling and then hit the throttle like a full start kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah you okay. can start from a, a dead stop but our bikes are also built in as a as a pedal assist so anytime you start pedaling anytime those pedals are moving the motor engages so it's assisting you makes it easier um and and just like a normal bike you have your gearing system your 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 thumb triggers to to downshift or upshift so like if I'm going up a steep hill, I'm going to downshift to gear one, uh, which is the largest sprocket in the rear wheel, and that's going to give you the most torque to climb. If I'm trying to buzz down a a dirt road or a two track at 20 miles an hour, then I'm gonna I'm gonna upshift to, you know, gear seven, eight, or nine, and that's going to give you the most speed for what you're doing. So okay. it's geared just like a normal bike, but in regards to the motor and the battery, um, you have a keypad. On the left handlebar, and you can control your power settings. So whenever you turn the bike on, it defaults to power level one, and that's gonna be your least amount of power, least amount of speed. And then you can hit the plus sign and you can go all the way up to power five. Hmm. That's gonna give you your most power, and most speed. It's also gonna use your most battery. So you, if you're trying to conserve and and trying to go for the long game and and get 20, 25, sometimes 30 miles per charge, you gotta be aware and be conscious of, you know, your, your power settings. So, um, I'm constantly kind of switching between, uh, power settings based on if I'm climbing a hill or if I'm going on flat or if I'm trying to go slow versus fast. Um, so I'm, I'm always adjusting and it's very intuitive, you know? So, um, I'll, I'll be pedaling sometimes if I want to conserve the battery. And other times, if I'm just doing a, a whitetail hunt where I'm going a half a mile or a mile and I know I can charge that battery, I'm not really worried about mileage, then I'll just hit the throttle all the way there. So um, pedal assist and throttle only, and then you adjust your power settings based on how hard or how little you want to work.
1: Gotcha. All right. So you got the power on the right, just like a four-wheeler. You got the, or excuse me, You've got the throttle on the right.
0: Well, our throttle's on the left because on traditional mountain bikes your 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 um, shifter yeah is on the right side. So that's a little bit different for people to get used to. But honestly, after using it for a couple times, you don't even you don't even notice the okay. difference.
2: Okay,
1: all right. So you've got so, so let me just visualize this again. You've got the. The throttle. Yeah, your
0: keypad on the left, with which Keep. controls your on/off, yep. your power settings, power and then settings. your throttle right next to that. Yep. Okay.
1: So uh, everything is controlled on the, the left, and then the shifters yeah. on on the right hand side. Okay.
0: Yep. Yep. And then right in the center, you have your display screen, right in the center of the handlebars, and that shows you your which power setting you're on, how much battery life you have left, uh, what your speed is. You can track your mileage. You see how far you're gone. Um, so there's all that stuff there too. And then just like your normal bike as well, you have your brake levers. Okay. Um, front brake is on the left, uh, rear brake is on the right.
1: Okay. And then you can just pedal with it. Is that correct? If you, if you're not getting enough power from a certain settings and you can drive more power with your legs, you can just assist it or. uh, Oh yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were to run your battery dead or, uh, you wanted to ride it with it completely off, you can certainly do that. Um, you know, you can hit the power setting all the way down to zero and you're riding it just like a normal bike. Okay. So, um, there definitely is that option as well.
1: Interesting. And the, as, does the, does the pedal charge the battery as well, or is that something Is that like futuristic kind of stuff?
0: Ours currently do not. Okay. And in, that technology is out there, there's regenerative, um, Power through braking, and 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 pedaling, but currently we don't offer that. It's it's a, it's kind of a newer. I mean, it's been around for a while, but it hasn't been developed enough to make it really worthwhile. On average, the the regen stuff you're you're getting you know roughly ten percent back out of your charge. You're talking one to two miles, um, which can make a difference. But for the added weight, the price and um you know you're constantly kind of putting that battery on and off a charge which lithium ion batteries don't build a memory and they don't um there's there's no maintenance and you can't really damage them in that way but it's not good for a battery to be kind of like charging and then not charging and then charging and not charging so we we haven't integrated that and i don't think it's going to be anything in the near future but it's definitely a possibility down the road
1: okay so the, 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 battery itself, talk about the battery. How, how big is it? How much does it weigh? How does, how much does the bike weigh itself?
0: Yeah. So our bikes, um, depending on the model, model, we have some bikes that are roughly about 50 pounds and then we have, um, kind of our more workhorse bikes that are, 75 roughly um you know depending on what accessories you add it can add a little bit of weight there but um you know not exactly the lightest bike uh or a a light bike all e-bikes are heavy um to a certain nature or heavier than than normal bikes because you do have the battery you do have the motor um all that stuff but um but yeah they're they're, they're still extremely portable. Um, but in regards to, to the battery itself, we have a number of different options. And if you check out our website, we, we essentially have uh, roughly two different, um, well, three different frame options for this year. And okay. with that, we have two different batteries itself as far as the design and how they integrate with the bike. Okay. But um, our starting kind of entry level or, or stock battery, per se, on all of our bikes is a, a 11.6 amp hour. 48 volt lithium ion battery and and roughly um you can get about 20 miles per charge off that battery and that's it that's under um kind of a kind of a standard test condition of a 200 pound rider flatter terrain medium power setting so like a two three power but um that's only using a throttle so no pedaling okay so on average you know what we say you know if it's it's under kind of ideal conditions you can get up to 20 miles per charge now that i've had customers call me and say i've gotten 35 miles per charge because they were pedaling a lot and being conscious of that and you know uh, assisting it and uh, so there's there's definitely that now in in some of the bikes we offer a, a 14 amp hour battery a 17 amp hour battery and a 21 amp hour battery and um you know, so f- for the Western hunters who are going, you know, 10 plus miles in one way maybe or are looking to use this in a remote camp where they're not going to be able to charge as often or potentially not the entire week, then they're going to want to go with that, that larger battery because it's going to give them, you know, a lot, lot more range okay. in that regard. And, you know, a big thing with us, uh, everything we do is, is lithium ion. But what a lot of people don't realize is that we only use Panasonic lithium-ion battery cells. Okay. There's a lot of e-bike manufacturers out there using um, lithium-ion batteries, but um, where they're cutting costs or where they're able to offer a lower price point is is really, um, one, the motor, and a lot of people don't realize it, um, but two, the battery cells. They're using either Samsung or an LG, or which are both brand names, um, or another off-brand battery cell, but they just don't have... They don't have the dependability. Um, We've tested them. we found issues with just their performance. They don't get the mileage that they say they're going to. So we only use Panasonic cells, and they're the leader in lithium-ion batteries. Uh, Tesla cars, I mean, uh, they they exclusively, they only use Panasonic because, again, they are top-tier, top-quality. They're the best performance. They cost a little bit more, but – you're, you're definitely better off going with with paying paying the premium price and getting, you know, a product that actually works. Because a lot of people get, you know, there's so many different options to look at and so many different, um, you know, not j- only with our bikes, but a lot of our competitors or, or other brands out there. Um, they try to sneak these different things in and, and uh, you know, that's a big one that I try to make people aware of go with Panasonic that's that's the only okay. way to go
1: so the Panasonic lithium-ion batteries are the ones that you're using and it may increase the cost some but you're saying these are the best batteries on the planet including these are the same kind of batteries that are being used in the Tesla car
0: oh yeah 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 and like I said we've tested a number of other brands and, and cells out there in, inside of our batteries and um, yeah uh, that's why <laughs> that's why we only use Panasonic
1: Okay. So are are the batteries themselves different sizes and are they universal for each bike or do, does each bike have a, a its own separate battery that you have to buy?
0: Um yeah, so each bike comes with comes with one battery and then you can buy an additional battery if you want to, you know, swap them in and out if you want it for convenience or bring the battery with you if if okay. you're worried about, you know, mileage or or, you know, needing that extra capacity. But um, but yeah, there's really two different battery options that we offer, and it depends on the frame option of the bike. Um, but essentially, they're the same battery; they're just a different shape and the way they fit the battery based on or fit the bike based on the frame design. So, okay, I don't know if that answers your question. I think a it does. And, and,
1: and really, I'm just trying to find out: it, Can you buy one? Does your battery fit all the bikes? I guess is the question. Was it designed that way? So if you buy Maybe I don't know. Maybe I maybe I have a battery that I bought because I bought a Ranger, and then I decided yep. to sell the Ranger and buy a, a better bike. But I had a spare battery. Can I then use that spare battery in the Canyon, for example?
0: Um, yeah, Ranger to the Canyon, no. But Ranger to the Warrior, or the Ambush, or the Apex, or the Predator, that battery is compatible. Okay. So for this for this twenty nineteen year, we're we're offering this different um frame option. So our current our current frame, like what you see with the Ranger, the Rover, the Ambush, the Warrior, the Apex, and the Predator, um, it's kind of this sleek, you know, everyone really likes it. It's a it's a really cool, kind of authoritative, um, badass looking frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh so those batteries are all compatible to each other, but we've come out with what's called like the Zion and the Um Canyon. 2019 and then we're releasing the sequoia and the denali here early in the year Um, and those are essentially a different frame design where the the top tube doesn't come up as high kind of right off the 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 handlebars or the stem there it comes down and it's got a lower standover height so we weren't able to use the same battery with that design of the frame Uh, so we had to go to a side pull uh, battery so it, therefore we had to change the shape of the battery
1: gotcha all right um,
0: now now the chargers are all integrated and and compatible between all of our models but you got to make sure um you know certain bikes do not accept the 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 same battery anymore and we went to the different frame option because um to to, to widen our audience base
3: yep. the
0: you know to have that lower standover height makes it more adaptable or more user-friendly to women, kids, shorter riders, um, and it, it fits them a lot better. So there's there's that as well.
1: Gotcha. All right. So the not each battery goes with each bike. Some bikes have their own separate component, usually based off of the frame in which you're buying it. Exactly. But yep. all the charging components that would charge these batteries are universal for each of your batteries.
0: Yep. All yep. Right. Exactly. And,
1: and then the batteries themselves have different – capabilities as far as amperage so you've got some that you may need a, a heavy more heavy duty battery for that particular bike depending yeah, upon yeah, your exactly. usage and what your what your maybe your weight uh what terrain you're covering what your tone with it uh, maybe you got a, a cart you got to bring up or some heavier equipment
0: yeah yeah exactly that you know the amp hour doesn't affect um you know how much power the battery is delivering they're all a 48 volt lithium ion battery um But, yeah, if you go, you know, basically the the larger the amp hour on the battery is, the the more mileage that you're going to get out of that battery. So that's where that comes into play.
1: Okay. What about the tires? And it looks like you have different size tires as far as height four different bikes and some of it looks like you've got a couple of and they're not entry level but they're some of these bikes and you'll have to explain what like the voyager for example is or the bandit they seem to be smaller tired bikes but it almost looks like they have a compact ability i'm not i'm not sure um yeah maybe break down some of the the varieties of bikes uh in the tire size and why we would look at different tire sizes
0: Yeah. So, um, when you talk about the, the war or sorry, the Voyager and the bandit models, um, those are actually a folding bike. So the frame itself actually hinges in half Mm. and it's just more of a compact mode of transportation. You can literally fold that thing up and put it in the trunk of a car, which is pretty cool. And we're, we're actually developing a carrying case for it that, you know, you can put it in this big plastic case and, um, you know, you can drag it through the airport if you want or, um, you know, stow it in a under an RV or on a, on a boat, for example. So that bike itself um, is a is a or those two models are a folding frame. And with that, we went down to a smaller tire. So those are a 20 inch rim and it's a four inch wide tire. So um, whereas like our Ranger, the Rover, the Ambush, the Zion, all those bikes uh, utilize a 26 inch by four and a half inch tire so it's a it's a little bit wider and it's a and it's a larger wheelbase so that's better for rolling over logs and and rocks and stuff now the folding bike you know still is designed for off-road terrain i've i've hunted with that here in the mountains and um, those things are a blast and they do have a lot of power for how small they are mm. um, so it's, it's a really cool option and then you get into our full suspension bikes like the ridge runner that also use um, you know the same same size um, rim, but they're they 're a smaller tire they're a three inch three inch wide um, it's a little bit more of a trail riding bike per se but the the whole concept of the fat tires is that it gives you more stability, um, gives you more traction. You can adjust the tire pressure itself from anywhere from five psi to thirty so if you're if you're going in a lot of snow or loose gravel, you might be down in that you know to 10 psi if you're riding a lot of hard pack or dirt roads or hard surfaces you might be in that you know 20 psi just all kind of depends so we do have the different options depending on what you're doing and 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 what type of terrain you're riding and what what your needs are if you need portability you know you can go with the folding bike Um, if you're not trying to fold it up and store it somewhere then you know our, our kind of larger frame bikes are the the ticket
1: Gotcha. All right, so there. So you you actually have some recommendations for air pressure or tire pressure based off of the train yep. you're you're working. That makes sense. I mean, it, it certainly seems like a, if you want to uh, stick a little bit more to the surface, you you put less pressure in the tire. And I, oh yeah. Certainly understand that. So your the name of the company is Quiet Cat. Quiet is. You know, the the preface there, what, how quiet is quiet on these bikes? I mean, what, do do you test decibel levels? And I mean, I have (laughs) to assume that the electric bike automatically is much quieter than a, a gasoline engine that you'd find in a four wheeler.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, we get that question all the time and what we convey to people is it's, we're not silent cat. You know, there's, there's
1: absolutely, you
0: don't get to a point where you're not hearing anything, but, um, you, you really, when you're riding these bikes, the only thing that you're hearing are the tires rolling over the ground. I mean, it's, it's that quiet. Um, obviously with any bike, you got your chain and your, you know, you're shifting gears. There's a little bit of noise from that, but um, honestly, I mean, you don't hear any like hum or, you know, any noise coming from the motor or the electric electrical system. It's really just as loud as a normal bike, um, can be a little bit louder because the tires are, are wider than, you know, your normal bike, but, okay. um, like I said, you, you don't when you are rolling over your, over the terrain, you only hear what. You, obviously, if you are going through like crunchy leaves or something, that's going to make a lot of noise. But you'd make noise walking or riding a normal bike. But yeah, there is there is really no no noise at all. It's just as silent or just as quiet as a, a normal bike, and uh, yeah, you can get in undetected wherever you are going.
1: Okay. I want to break down each bike here in just a sec, but what are some of the other unique features that you, you're excited about in some of these bikes?
0: You know, the, the the main thing is that, you know, kind of what I touched on earlier, we have component sets that are, um, you know, catered to wherever you're using it at. So, for example, if somebody's in the mountains or is carrying a lot of weight and really looking to use this as a workhorse, you know, we have the component Options to to offer them so they're not compromising for example The apex bike has been one of our most popular models um, And that has the hydraulic disc brakes. So it's got the best stopping power um, You know that you can have it has the air suspension fork So it's going to be an extremely smooth ride and it's going to handle any type of downhill um, You know diverse terrain that you throw at it and then it's got the wide gearing system so it's so it's geared more appropriately for climbing and, and torque and, and power. So, um, so I'm just excited that, you know, for 2019, we have a, a really wide offering of, of component options. Um, if you don't want to compromise and you want to pay a little bit more money, then we've got that offering, um, you know, for the guys that are a little bit shorter or uh, women riders that are getting more into to bikes and, and more into hunting, we have a frame option that's available to them and fits them really well and then, you know, we have, um, you know, kind of our super high end bikes, like the Ridge runner that has a, a full suspension, you know, front and rear suspension, um, that you can really, uh, <laughs> tackle a, a mountain. Uh, you can go d- downhill, you know, basically like a normal downhill mountain bike and, and have that really fluid and, 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 and mountain bike feel. So I'm just excited about all the different, um, offerings that we have for coming into 2019 and, and we really have a bike for everybody.
1: Okay. How is the comfort ability and, and drivability, are, are, are these, do they ride like a regular off-road bike, like a, a, a big 10 speed that you, that you take off-roading. Uh, you know, I have an off-road bicycle and it's old, but do they handle differently because of the tires and just the technology and the framework and I mean, how long is can you ride comfortably um, as you go? And I understand you're riding on terrain, so you're going to be probably standing up and sitting down and bumping and you know weaving and all that stuff. But yeah
0: what's yeah, the
1: what's the sure. ride like?
0: Yeah, they're they're very comfortable. The you know when fat tires, so the whole concept of fat tire bikes really started with mountain bikers wanting to be able to ride during the winter um, or you know spring and and fall where they're getting that freeze thaw and the melt off. Um, if you ride a normal, you know, 2.8 inch tire on a, on a muddy trail or snow, you just can't do it. You, you cut through that, you slip all over the place and you feel like you're going to crash. So the fat tire concept really came from, you know, riding in any terrain and any weather. Um, and with that, when, when fat tire bikes first hit the market, you know, I'm talking non-electric bikes here. Um, they didn't even have a front suspension the the fat tires themselves they they absorb so much of the the ground they kind of act as your suspension um you know right there in and of itself and like i mentioned earlier you can adjust the tire pressure anywhere from 5 to 30 psi so if you want a little bit more of a you know bouncy more comfortable ride that's going to absorb like all the rocks and 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 all the terrain undulations then you'll lower that tire pressure down if you're riding more on a hard pack um, you know you can you can increase the tire pressure so you're going to get a little bit better mileage um, so so with that you know you have suspension through the tires themselves and then now we're you know when we We've had it all along, but um there's only one model that we currently make that doesn't have a front suspension. It's a rigid front fork, and that's the rover. It's our price point model. But all the other bikes do have a front suspension. So that makes it nice when you're rolling over a, a rock or a log or um, you know, coming off a, a little bit of a going off a curb on a road, for example. Um, it absorbs all of that shock and makes it really nice. And then like I mentioned too, we have our full suspension bikes now, which I mean, you could, <laughs> you could take that off a 20 foot jump and you're not going to, you know, you're going to have everything absorbed through the suspension that way. So they are very comfortable and, um, you know, you can stand up, you can sit down, uh, and, and with not having to pedal, if you don't want to, um, you know, that can be, that can be tough sometimes. I mean, when you're, when you got all your gear on and, and you're bulked up with all your clothes, um, you know, pedaling can be kind of a pain in the ass. So right? no, <laughs> that makes definitely. it even more comfortable. Right. Um your knee starts hurting or something, you know, starts acting up, then you can just hit the throttle. So it's very, right. very comfortable. You can ride for long distances, ride all day, and uh, yeah, yeah, you're not you're not feeling that, that burden of a of a normal bike.
1: Gotcha. All right. So I've gone to your website, quietcat.com, it's quiet with a K for cat. Yep. Um and I've organized all the bikes from the lowest price point to the highest price point. I like to break down each bike, just quickly touch on what each one does and, and why each one jumps up in in price. Let's start with the Rover. This is your entry level. And I think you said it's the one that doesn't have any suspension on it. But let, let's start with the Rover. Why? What's that bike about?
0: Yeah, so Rover is currently a, a $2,200 price point. And um, yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of a, a strip down doesn't have all the bells and whistles as our normal bikes. The big factor, again, what makes that a $2,200 bike currently is that it has that rear hub motor and those hub motors, like I mentioned earlier, don't have, they don't have the same power and same, um, torque as a mid drive motor where you get up into some of our more expensive models. So that's, that's, that's a big factor to consider when making your purchase. Um, but other than that, um, you know why why it it comes in out as our starting model we've we've removed the front suspension um you know but again like i just explained there's a lot of suspension in that in the tires themselves so it's a rigid front fork and then uh, th- the other big difference is that it has um only a single speed gearing so there's no shifter there's no derailleur um there's no rear cassette so that that further removes some costs so you don't have um the the wide range of gearing you know that kind of what i explained earlier if you're you're going up a steep hill you can downshift if you're going up a steep hill uh you know going for speed you can upshift um so you don't have that capability but where you do gain uh with the single speed is you know less moving parts uh you know this goes with anything um the less moving parts is is less points of failure and less maintenance to deal with true, um, true. You just kind of get on it and go you know so um it's 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 a really solid bike for somebody who just wants to get on and and not have to worry about anything um you know so that's that's what's really cool about it sometimes the simplicity uh can make it uh Better in a, in a lot of ways, depending right. on on how you're using it. So it's still a great bike, but really, um, it's got the hub motor, uh, the rigid fork, and a single speed gearing.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So the next step up from that is the Ranger. You know, you're jumping yep. up a few hundred dollars into the twenty five hundred dollar price point. Yep. And it looks like yep. you're adding a suspension. What else is different about that bike from the Rover?
0: Yeah. Same same frame, same battery, same motor. Um, you know, the the real difference there is you get that front suspension. Like Like you mentioned, and you also get a seven speed gearing, so you do have the capabilities of of you know using the bike as a normal let 's say mountain bike where you 're going up that steep hill, you can downshift if you 're going for speed, you can upshift so big difference there front suspension and the gearing
1: okay from the ranger, we go to this bike called the ambush now you 're jumping up a thousand bucks you 're going from the twenty five hundred dollar yep. price point to the thirty five hundred dollar price point what's that extra thousand dollars getting me there?
0: Really what that boils down to is the motor itself. Um, I keep going back to this, but those, the, the hub motors just don't have the same, you know, the the rear hub motors that are found in the Ranger and the Rover um, don't have the torque and the same power as a mid drive. So um, that's where you get the the big difference in price there. The, so a little further explanation on mid drive motors on, on the ambush model and all of our other bikes where they have a mid drive motor, that motor is located inside the frame and it's integrated and sits right down with the crank and in the pedals where the, where the pedals go onto the crank and the crank goes inside to the motor that uh, goes inside the frame. That's where that motor sits. So, um, they're more money because there there's that added technology of being integrated with the, the crank. But, um, you know, really you're paying that price point because it's, it just gives it more power and more torque. And, and that's the biggest difference for that model. Now the, you do have, you do jump up in componentry a little bit on the gearing side, you go to an eight speed versus a seven speed. But other than that, um, the brakes are the same frames, the same, the battery's the same. Um, you know, you get the one step up in gearing. So an extra gear there. Um, but the big difference again, is that motor
1: okay let's take a little coffee break and when we come back we'll continue our conversation about the electric hunting mountain bike with quiet cats adam parr
3: i still can't believe that's all you're taking
2: i got everything i need all in one bag
4: Racology Deer Supplement and Attractant, developed through years of intense scientific research, comes a product that puts it all in one bag. Superior Attractant, scientifically formulated vitamins and minerals, and all at a much better price. To get yours today, please check out racology.org for a list of dealers. Racology, how can you afford not to use it?
1: Everything deer need, all in one bag. Hunter-friendly coffee retailers are great, but ever wonder where they buy it from? Now there's a company that imports directly from farmers. Zero middlemen roasts it and ships it right to your door. From the farmer's fields to your morning cup, Hunter's Blend Coffee has been in the hands of hunters. Through their giving, your coffee supports the RMEF, Whitetails Unlimited, and Women's Hunting Associations, and many others. Now you can defend hunting one cup at a time. Not bad for a cup of coffee. And did I mention? It is so good. And now back to our conversation with Adam Parr from Quiet Cat. From the Ambush, we go to the Zion. Same, yep. same price point, yep. but A different design, from what I can see. Looks like the bar is is different. So, Ambush to the Zion. What's the Zion all about?
0: Yeah, that they are literally the exact same bike, except for like you mentioned the frame. And I touched on that a little bit earlier. We for 2019, we've come out with this new frame design that that sits down lower and so if you're a rider who's five three to five ten um you know the zion is going to be the better fit for you size wise as compared to the ambush that you know we say between like five eight and six four so um it's kind of it's just a, a step down in in the in the frame design so it's accommodates riders that are, are shorter or shorter can't get on and off the bike as easy but literally the same exact bike, um, same components, same motor, same battery. It's just a different uh, frame design. Okay.
1: So same bike, different frame. Yep. From the Zion, we go to the Warrior, jumping up 200 bucks to about $3,800. What's that one about?
0: So the, the Warrior and the Ambush are the same bike, except for the motor size. You go from a 750 to a 1,000-watt motor, and uh, that 1,000-watt motor – Uh, definitely gives you some added added power going especially when you're going up those hills Um, you know for the guys that are heavier or they're looking to haul a deer out or carry carry more gear carry stands whatever um, that thousand watt definitely um, you know kicks up the power a bit so um, that's where you get the added um, price level there. You, you jump up in price, okay. but the components are same, you know? So you still have the eight-speed gearing. You still have the hydraulic coil shock. You still have the mechanical disc brakes. All that stuff's the same. You're just going up um, to the next size, the 1,000-watt motor.
1: Okay, so bigger motor in the Warrior compared to the Ambush. Yep. From the Warrior, we jump up to the Canyon. Same price point. Looks like it might be the same bike, just a different design, like uh frame design like the Zion. Uh, yeah, that's the deal exactly
0: there? it. Yep, exactly. Uh, you know, the Warrior and the Canyon are the same bike. Um, you know, it, but much like the the jump from the Ambush to the Zion, with the Canyon, you're going down to that shorter frame as well. So, same same bike, just going to that shorter standover height for you know smaller riders uh, on that side.
1: Okay. All right, from the canyon, we're going to the predator. Now we're jumping up in price of hundred bucks, going up to the thirty nine hundred dollar level. What's the predator all about? It looks it looks like it's got some camo on it and looks similar to some of the the warrior uh, frame designs. But I'll let you to fill us in.
0: Yeah, so um, so yeah, the, uh, on all our bikes we do offer two different frame color options. Currently, it's a black and a camo. Um, for for twenty nineteen, we are offering a, a charcoal option so um different different uh frame colors there the 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 color doesn't change the price at all so you can you know if you want camo it's the same price as the charcoal for example so um that doesn't change or factor into the the price cost but where we go to the predator that's a 750 watt mid-drive motor but um where we get the added price point there is we're jumping up in components. So instead of mechanical disc brakes, you have the hydraulic disc brakes, just improved stopping power. Um you know, so for the guys in the mountains that are going down steep hills or uh carrying more weight, um the hydraulic brakes are just nicer to have. Again, they just they stop better. Um Gotcha. The the uh, then you then you go uh with the Predator, you also get the air suspension fork. So um it definitely gives it a nicer ride. You have a little bit more adjustability there in the spring and the tensioning and and the uh, and the bounce with the with the suspension itself. So you get an upgrade there, and then uh, you get an upgrade in the uh, rear cassette. So you get an extra gear. You go to a nine speed instead of an eight speed. Okay. Um, and then you get an upgraded derailleur as well. So the actual. You know, shifting component that jumps between the sprockets in the rear, it's a you know it's a better quality, so it's a little bit smoother shifting, it's more durable um, in that regard. So really, just an upgraded components, which includes again the the brakes, the suspension, and the gearing system.
1: Gotcha. All right, from the Predator, the next price point up is the Bandit. You're going from the thirty nine hundred dollar level to about forty one hundred. And but the bandit is this is where things change a little bit. This is your first foldable bike at the price point. So tell us about the bandit.
0: Yeah, so the so the bandit is a is a mid-drive seven hundred and fifty watt motor. Um, but what makes this bike really unique is that it it comes with the folding frame, you know. So that's a for some people that matters. I mean, we have some customers that are throwing these in their compact planes, and you know, driving or flying into these remote areas such as alaska or canada or whatever and they throw their bike out and go which is pretty cool you know so that's a that's a uh, you know the frame itself folds and the in the steering column the handlebars fold down the pedals fold in so it's a really really compact like i like i stated earlier can fit in the trunk of a car or stow under an rv um but you get a good um suspension system with that as well uh, hydraulic disc brakes. It's got great stopping power. And what's unique about this bike is that it utilizes a, a carbon belt drive instead of your, uh, normal, uh, metal chain. So, um, the belt drive, um, you know, like when you're, when you're folding, the biggest thing with that bike is that it eliminates the, the rear cassette and the derailleur, Um, you know, the shifter in in the rear wheel. Um, And the the big reason why that's important, especially for a bike that folds, is that, you know, you're constantly kind of folding that thing up and laying it down on its side. If you had a, excuse me, if you had a normal derailleur, that could get bent, that could get broke, um, you know, folding it up and putting it in these places. So this belt drive is pretty unique because it utilizes the internal, um, it's called the the gates, uh, belt drive and a Sturmey Archer, uh, hub. Mm. So the gearing, it, the bike still has, uh, three gears. So, you know, if you're climbing or going for speed, you still have those options, but the gearing is inside the rear wheel. So there's no extra componentry that's, that's hanging out that can get bent. And that carbon belt drive, um, is, it's pretty much maintenance free. You don't get any rust, um, you know, the mud and the sand doesn't build up in there or anything. So it's kind of a unique drivetrain all in itself. So it's kind of a, a bike that, that is a little bit more standalone all, on sure. its own category, along with the Voyager, which is also a, a folding bike. Um, but, uh, kind of a different animal, but, uh, very cool and lots of power.
1: Gotcha. All right. Uh, the apex.
0: Yeah. The apex is a, a thousand watt, uh, drive system going back to the predator, 750. Yep. Um it's the same bike as the Predator, it's just you jump up again to that 1000 watt motor. So it's uh same components, just you're getting more power.
1: Okay, so more power overall. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay, so from that we go to the Voyager, which is the 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 next folding bike. What's the difference between the Voyager and the Bandit?
0: Um the 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 big difference, um, and for 2019, we have a couple different drivetrain options um, it, it, as in regards to the motor itself. But um, the big difference is the component you're getting an air shock with the Voyager. Um, one of the Voyager models, we're offering a new uh, torque sensor motor. So uh, the torque sensors, um, they they essentially instead of the current mid drive motors that we're using. Um, whenever you start pedaling or hit the throttle based on what power setting you're on, they just go. In other words, you could be pedaling down the road at like 20 miles an hour and be barely moving those pedals and you're still going 20 miles an hour with these torque sensor motors. It matches the rider input. So if you're barely pedaling, it's just going to give you a little bit of power. Now, if you're really getting after it, trying to climb a steep hill or something, you're pedaling, it it matches you, so it gives you more power. So that's a big difference for for one of the uh, Voyager models in that regard, a little bit different on the um, component side, but essentially the same bike.
1: Okay, so it sounds like you're getting more computerized in there where it's it's giving you some sensory feedback on what's happening with the driver.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: All right, and then, so that the Voyager comes in around 4400 bucks. Then we jump up to one of the standard bikes again, not the foldable bikes, and it looks like this is the last one in your line. It's around $5,500. bucks. you are talking about the Ridge Runner. What, what, what's, it looks like this may be the pinnacle of the bikes at, that you're carrying at the moment. What's, this, what's the Ridge Runner all about?
0: Yeah, so the Ridge Runner, uh, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, is our full suspension bike. So um, it's got the front shock. and and the rear as well. So front and rear suspension makes it a really smooth ride. It's got that torque sensor motor, so it gives it that very natural mountain bike feel. Um, It's got very high-end components, so rock shock front uh, suspension. Um, It's got uh, really good hydraulic disc brakes, so it's kind of got all the bells and whistles, high-end components, uh, a sleek design, Three three inch fat. Um, they're kind of a hybrid tire between your normal, you know, mountain bike tire, but they're not the four and a half inch wide that you get with our normal bikes. So, a uh, little smaller footprint there, which makes it more maneuverable. You shed a lot of weight with that bike, so you're around fifty pounds, um, which is really nice. Um, it's a, it's definitely a great bike, and we're and we're certainly excited about it. Um, it's really geared towards. You know the person that's bombing down a lot of single tracks, a lot of diverse terrain. Um, you know, so it's it's a it's a really really cool bike, and it's still compatible with our trailer system and and some of our other accessories. So that's that's pretty cool. And and what you don't currently see on the website um, as well that we're coming out with for next year. Uh, important to note, we we're coming out with you know like the Zion and the Canyon models. Um, we're coming out with with those. But uh, they're going to be called the Sequoia and the Denali. Okay, they're just that step up in componentry. So we're offering the you know those smaller frame bikes with the upgraded hydraulic brakes, with the air suspension, with the you know nine speed gearing and the upgraded derailleur. So we're offering those options as well, which you don't currently see on the website, but we'll be hitting hitting for
1: 2019. Okay, all right. Let's talk about some of the other things that you would want to know as a, as a buyer of some of these bikes, what, how do these things handle cold water and dirt?
0: Yeah. So all, all of our bikes are designed to take on water. Um, you know, we say, don't, don't go tip them over and, and submerge them in a lake. Um, they're, they're not designed to to be used like a submarine but you can certainly splash through puddles uh go through creek crossings rivers um you know get caught out in the rain everything is sealed so you're not dealing with any moisture buildup or you have to worry about anything getting inside the batteries the batteries are all completely sealed the motors are sealed and in the components and and the display and the and the keypads those are all um built to be weatherproof so um so yeah, they definitely handle. What we say is, you know, when you're using them in in, in mud and rocks and, and dirt and whatever, you want to try to keep things clean. So if you can, if you can, uh, after you get done with a, a really muddy ride, you know, spray that thing off, power wash it off. Don't be afraid to, you know, get all the mud and the dirt off there. Um, you know, keeping the dirt and the, um, stuff out of the chain and the brakes is going to, make your bike last a lot longer as far as like not having to replace brake pads and your chain as often. Um, there's some maintenance in that regard, but it's very, very minimal, just like a normal bike. So, um, they're definitely designed to be used outdoors, um, you know, in all elements and, uh, you know, so there's that.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Speaking of cleaning your bike, what other maintenance should you employ on some of these things?
0: You know, it's it's just important to with with any vehicle itself, um four wheelers, ATVs, uh normal bikes, electric bikes, it's just good to kinda keep a tab on on all bolted connections, making sure everything's tight. Um, you know, it anytime you can kinda do an inspection and make sure everything's working the way it should or your 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 rear racks on there tight it's going to eliminate noise and it's going to you know make sure everything is safe right um so we 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 definitely recommend that um you know just like with normal bikes and with any vehicle your brake pads are going to wear out over time you know depending on how much you use them or what type of terrain you're in they might last a year they might last five years they might last six months you know depending on on what you're doing so um uh, but typically, you know people are replacing brake pads every couple years. Uh, the chain itself you want to keep oiled, so you can pick up a, a chain oil from your local bike shop or um, ordered it online um, You want to keep that chain oiled so it 's it 's um, you know not wearing down your your gears and your cassettes, and that chain is is uh lasting a lot longer. You might have to adjust the brakes you might have to you know, do some stuff like that upon an initial break in. But for the most part, it's very minimal. Again, keeping it clean. Um, there's no there's no maintenance to the battery themselves, which is which is a good one. Um, You know, the lithium ion batteries, they don't build a memory. So you don't have to, you know, run them down the same same amount every time you don't have to, you know, charge them the same amount. The chargers automatically shut off when the battery's full. Mm. Um, So there's there's a, there's a lot of advantages um, to having a bike. it's very simple and and if anything like I mean if you could crash for example or you know you the bike falls over and you break a, a brake lever or whatever, um, all this stuff is components and and um, you know with the service side and the warranty side, um, you know, there's lit there's a bike shop in every town or every, you know, decent sized town. So anytime you need any maintenance, you need your bike tuned up. Um, if you do have an issue uh, with, with something electrically, or it's a, it's a warranty issue, you know, we, we send you to a bike shop, we take care of everything. Uh, we ship the parts there, they do all the service. And, you know, if it's a warranty item, we pay for the bill. So that's really cool is, you know, anywhere you're at, if you're hunting in California or Florida or, Alaska or Michigan, um, you know, you've got a service shop close and, and parts are regularly available.
1: Okay. All right. Moving on. And you mentioned this just a little bit, um, storage and safety. what, what kind of safety issues should we be considering here? I'm assuming a lot of the things that you do with regular biking, um, helmets, pads, I don't know what, what's involved, but, um, and then how, how do you store these bikes? How do they travel?
0: yeah for for safety yeah you nailed it right there making sure you're wearing the protective gear helmets uh pads um the right clothing is key too i mean for especially with hunting some of the sometimes the clothes can get a little bit bulky um, but you don't want any like loose clothing like you don't want super bulky pants that could get wrapped around the pedals or caught in the chain that's with with any bike not just a normal bike or with any vehicle i mean we're riding on an atv or whatever you don't want loose clothing that can get caught in anything um so it's important to be aware of that like if you've got really bulky pants i try to tuck them in my boot or uh, put a rubber band around my leg to kind of hold them in a little bit better so that's that's key there. Um, you know, when whenever you're starting out or riding one of these bikes for the first time, you want to keep the power setting low because a lot of people don't understand. I mean, electric electric vehicles in general, uh, whether it's an electric bike or a four-wheeler or a Tesla car, these things are instant torque. You know, they take off really quick. So, okay. um, you know, for first time riders, you want to be aware that, you know, you're keeping the speeds low, you're keeping the power setting low, getting used to the ride and the feel of the bike. Um, you know, and then other than that, like if, if you're doing any maintenance to the bike, um, again, these are pedal assist bikes whenever, if you're loading in and out of a vehicle or taking it in and out of a, uh, off a bike rack, make sure the bike is turned off. You know, because right, if right. you hit that thumb throttle <laughs> or you hit the pedal, you know, that motor's going to turn on. And last thing you want is that thing taking off on you or your hands in the chain or whatever. You just don't want any of that. So anytime you're doing any maintenance or loading and unloading, make sure the bike is off. That's the that's a big, big piece there.
1: Gotcha. OK, how, how do they travel on like bike racks? Like uh, I have a Jeep, for example, a Wrangler. I yep. want to throw a bike rack on the back um, and, and go somewhere remote and then get even more remote with my bike. How Do do they travel okay like that?
0: Yeah, they really do. Um, I typically, I just throw the bike over the tailgate of my truck, Yep, um, and that works good for me, uh, but not all people um, want to do that. It can be a pain in the ass if you're hunting or whatever. Um, so a lot of people will buy a hitch-mounted, bike rack that plugs into your hitch receiver uh, like on your jeep or a truck or an suv and uh, we actually sell one on our website it's made by one up and it's a fully machined uh, metal uh, bike carrier that plugs into your rear rack and um, they actually ride really well i mean that specific rack that we sell our bike carrier it's designed to hold the weight it's designed to hold the wider tires um, integrates flawlessly with with all of our bikes so we we highly recommend the one up But, um, yeah, they're, they're really nice. They ride really well. And, and with it, you know, those bike carriers, you're not having to lift them very high. You can kind of set one tire up on, you know, one of the, the tire slots and then, you know, come pick the other side up and and set it in and clamp it down that way. So that's a really nice thing to have, especially if you're doing a lot of loading and unloading and, you know, driving to your hunting spots and then
1: going from there. Gotcha. Okay. How do you decide as a consumer which one to buy? I mean, there's a lot of cool options here and yeah. obviously price matters somewhat to, you mm-hmm. only have so much money to spend, but how would you pick, uh, which one if, if you had unlimited money?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if budget's not a concern and, and you got more money than God and you're willing to to pay the premium price, then, you know, by all means, um, you know, go with the bike that's going to have the more bells and whistles, because again, you're not compromising. Okay. Um, you know, like Again, I, I try to push. I try to push the guys in the mountains, uh, guys and gals who are using them in, you know, the mountains or, like, for example, Pennsylvania, where you got these really steep hills, um, you know, and these these logging roads. I try to push them more towards the the predator and the apex model, for example, because. They have the better suspension. They have the better brakes. Um, they have the wider gear ratio, so they're they're not compromising on the terrain that they're going on. Okay. Um, they have all the power they need, um, you know. But if if you're again, I kind of keep going back to to flatland country. Um, that obviously the Apex and the Predator will work in that terrain, but you don't need it you know, like it, you just don't need all that torque and, 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 and power. So why spend the extra money if you don't have to? Um, now again, like what I alluded to earlier, I've hunted with the Ranger and these hub, you know, Ranger Rover, the hub, hub motorbikes in out country mm. here in the mountains, Colorado, okay. right? It's just, you're, you're compromising a little bit. Like I do have to pedal up some hills if I don't, if, you know, if I I do have to work a little bit harder. Um they don't have the climbing capabilities. So that's just the main thing, you know, you know, and feel free to give us a call. I mean, call any one of us, talk to the sales guys, shoot us an email. We we always are asking the right questions, you know. Hey, how much I mean, some people hate to admit or you know, it's kind of awkward sometimes asking, but you know, how much do you weigh? You know, I don't want to put you in a 750 uh hub drive bike if you're close to 300 pounds, you know, I want to get you in that mid drive thousand watt because again, you're not going to have to compromise. You're going to have all the power you need and you can always, you know, tone it down. Vice versa. You got your wife who's five, four and weighs a hundred pounds soaking wet. I don't want to put her in the thousand watt. That's too much power for her. Um, you know, the terrain you're riding, where, where you're going to be using it. Um, you know, there's also certain regulations that are really starting to take shape as far as um, motor size requirements. Um, If you're hunting some areas of public land, certain states allow up to a 750-watt e-bike, and that's classified as a normal bike considered non-motorized. But if you jump up to the 1,000-watt, now you're in the same category as an ATV or a side-by-side. So it is considered motorized. So you might not be able to use it in certain areas. So there's, there's, there's legal considerations. There's weight. There's what you're using it for, the terrain. Um, your budget, all these different factors, but again, you know talk to any one of us, give us a call, talk to our dealers. um you know, we have a number of dealers across the country that will ask the right questions and figure out what's going to be the best bike for
1: you gotcha so just to touch on the regulations, this was one of my questions I had for you, but so you always see those signs, no motorized vehicles allowed, and you get to thinking, well, the electric bike is motorized, but is it is it? I mean, where, do, where, do, where does the state government, where does the federal government consider these things motorized and not motorized? Is there a line that you're seeing, or, or a, a, a definitive difference in some of your bikes that are considered motorized versus non-motorized? You mentioned the the 750 to the thousand. Is what's that line, and is or is each state different?
0: Yeah. So this is this is the the tough thing about electric bikes in current day is that laws and regulations are changing so rapidly and you know with with more e-bikes hitting the pavement and more e-bikes in you know consumers hands um there's the the legislation is 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 changing and and unfortunately there's there's so many different states and areas and um places that they're all different there's no like there's no national policy at present day that says you know this e-bike is considered motorized, and you can use it anywhere off trail um, you know, for example, like u s Forest Service and Bureau of Land Management, they consider at current day any e-bike, uh, whether it's seven fifty thousand watt. Two hundred and fifty watt, hundred watt. They consider that as a motorized vehicle, hmm. um, so they regulate it the same as a jeep or a side by side or a dirt bike four wheeler. Which um, means, unfortunately, to me, is silly. I mean, it's silly. It's completely
1: different altogether. They're more yeah. like a oh, bicycle yeah. than anything else. The yeah, drive is the difference.
0: Yeah. And you know, there's no more impact. There's no noise. Um, you know, and honestly with the fat tires, you know, you're spreading more of the weight distribution. So you're not rutting up areas. You're not spinning your tires and ripping up ground. Um, it is, it is very silly. And I think you will see, um, you know, changes to that. And I think as more, um, more e-bikes hit the market and more of these uh conflicts maybe start happening you're gonna see legislation change and policy change but um uh yeah so but then but then there are certain states that allow you know depending on how the land is managed uh like i know in maryland you can use up to 750 watt e-bike and go in the areas that are you know non-motorized or you know uh where four wheels and stuff aren't allowed. Uh, there's other states that are coming on board like Florida, I think Arkansas, um, Pennsylvania on the state lands, you can use up to, um, 750 watt e-bikes. Now the game lands in Pennsylvania are different than the state properties and the state forests. Um, so there's, it really just depends on, you know, what area you're hunting or what area you're looking to use it in. Um, like bike trails here, um, in our backyard and, in, in Vail, Colorado, there's bike paths that, you know, go up over the pass. They, you know, that, that area, that town voted that you can have up to a 750 watt e-bike can be considered non-motorized yeah. just as a normal bike. So unfortunately I, I can't sit here and say that, you know, these, this, this e-bike is, is legal here and all these places because it is so gray and there's so many different, um, regulations and policies depending on how the land is managed. Um, that It's really best to check with your local game commission, um, talk to the law enforcement in the area where these bikes are legal, and uh, that's going to that's gonna give you the most clarity on, on where you can and cannot use them.
1: Well, here's my overview on that is that when you have a product that they are now creating specialized regulations for then you're on to something like this is a game changer now and i think that's fascinating yeah. that you know they actually have to create new regulations simply to uh, for your your product that's neat i mean that's great
0: yeah. yeah right yep and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh groups out there um that are kind of lobbying for electric bikes like um. Every I recommend everyone who's interested or owns an e-bike um, check out peopleforbikes.org. Okay. And uh, you know there they have a ton of information on your state that you can look up and see what regulations um you know are around. Uh, on electric bikes in your state or in your area. So that's a really good resource. They talk about laws and, you know, what they're doing to kind of develop different policies and and work with lawmakers and, you know, stuff like that. So I recommend people checking that out. Um, there's been a number of studies done on, on impacts of electric bikes, um, you know, when operating or being used in the same realm of of hikers and normal mountain bikers and the studies all come back. There's no more impact um, of a normal bike or there's no more disturbance uh, to the general consumer than with a normal bike. So as these studies um, come to light, there's more people out there using them. There's more information uh, around these things. You're, you're going to see the laws change. And, and we've even seen that over the last year or so. Um, we now have to classify and label each bike um, so there's essentially three different classifications on e-bikes. There's a class one, class two, class three, um, class one is, and, and there's different laws or, you know, being developed around like, Oh, class one bikes are allowed here, but class two and three are not, you know, or, or class two and one are, but you know, class three isn't. So, um, there's, there's different classifications there. Class one is 750 Watts or less without a thumb throttle. Okay. Um, so none of so essentially stock any of our bikes are are not class one. Um, however, that throttle can be easily removed. It's just a simple wire plug, and we can make that bike a class one. So if somebody's like, "Well, I want a class one bike," um, that's not a problem. We can we can remove that throttle, make it a class one. Now class two is up to 750, 750 watts, but can have a throttle. Um, You know, so it's not just pedal assist. Class three is anything over 750 watts. Doesn't matter if it has throttle or not. So like our thousand watt, the Apex, the Canyon, those bikes would be a class three.
1: Gotcha. All right. So quiet cat is, is aware of a lot of these regulations and can adjust the bike in some scenarios to actually meet the regulations so that you don't have to buy a bike and not being able to ride it basically. Oh
3: yeah. Yeah. We do that all the time. That's very cool. Yep.
1: So what what are hunters saying about this? What's the hunting community feedback for your bikes? And I know, you know, the Quiet Cat can be built for the hunter, and it certainly has been in a lot of aspects, but I'm sure there are a lot of other people using them that are not hunters. But what's the hunting community saying about this, the ones that have tried them out so far?
0: Oh, it's it's overwhelmingly positive. You know, I mean, we get, we get emails every day. I get, you know... People sending me pics, you know, texting me pics that are either my dealers or you know, direct customers that have purchased from us. You know, hey man, I shot this buck. I went in and you know, on my on my bike, I put the bike right below my stand, and yeah, you know, it's just like you get you get really really cool stories and success. Um, you know, pics that are sent to you on a daily uh, on a daily basis almost. Um, you know, and for a lot of people, not just you know, hunters are a big part of that, but just uh, you know, anybody in general, this, this allows them to still be out there and hunt and access their stand, you know, um, and have a more enjoyable hunt than riding a a noisy four wheeler. But the guy that, you know, can't ride a normal mountain bike, whether he's a hunter or not, because maybe he had a knee injury or maybe he's 70 years old and just doesn't have the cardio capacity that he did when he was 25, you know this still allows him to be out there and ride a bike and enjoy nature and and, and do those things so yeah, it's really cool um the feedback's been great we're constantly kind of tweaking stuff we're we're always open to our customer feedback or listening to our dealers what they're hearing and and we make adjustments so um overwhelmingly positive uh and again it comes back to that efficiency thing we're all strapped for time um, you know, for example, and some of the guys, you know, you got a 400 acre farm. Well, you might have 15 trail cameras on that farm. Well, what took you, you know, two hours to walk, or you know, or let's say you're driving on a four wheeler, you're making a bunch of noise. Um, now you can do it completely silent, and within you know 20, 30 minutes, check all those trail cameras and, and be out of there. Um, which is, which is really cool. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can use it. It improves a lot of things in a lot of different ways, but from the hunting side, it's been, it's been really good.
1: Gotcha. Very cool. So if, uh, if you wanted to buy these things there are two things that kind of come up, one, the price point for those that don't have an unlimited budget, which I think are the majority of people, um, it looks like you offer financing and what's the warranty like? I mean, once you buy these things and yeah, you know, it's, it, it's a big ticket item. How comfortable am I when I buy these things? If something doesn't work quite right, what's the warranty and the financing about?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, we do offer financing through our website. So you're able to go on there, select the bike you want with the accessories, um, you know, add it to the cart and you can do a financing option. So, um, you know, obviously that depends on your credit score. Uh, you know, you can put a certain amount down if you if you want to pay a thousand down and then pay the rest off in payments from there. And there's different, um, you know, term amounts uh, there as well. But again, it all comes back to your credit score and and uh, you know what you're buying. Um so that that's definitely a, a an option as well. There's some of our bigger dealers too, for example, like Bass Pro Shops. You can, you know, go in there and buy a bike and put it on the Club Card. And uh that's essentially a way to finance it as well through them. So there's there's different options there, but it really it really opens up a lot of doors that you know um you know, I don't have the money now, but I can I can make a payment plan. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then as far as, as far as the warranty, we offer a one year warranty on all the components, batteries, motors, and a lifetime warranty on the frame itself. So, okay. if anything were to happen, you know, to the frame, I mean, we would we would we would replace it, no questions asked. Um, you know, again, what 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 it really boils down to with the with the warranty side is that you know we. <laughs> We're not like some of the other bike companies there that are trying to compete necessarily on a price point. So again, it goes back to the battery. The battery is a huge, huge part of the bike and it's a it's a big cost factor into the ultimate price tag of the bike itself. So you know, we use those Panasonic cells um, as compared to some other companies using, you know, off-brand cells. Because we don't want to be dealing with warranty issues, we don't want to be dealing with customers you know um, mad that they're not getting the mileage that we said they they would um, so it starts with us building the bike right with you know a good high quality aluminum frame that's not going to rust, um, good components that are going to handle um, you know diverse environments, uh, a good battery that's going to hold up in hot and cold you know uh, temperatures, and it's going to last. For many many years, for thousands of miles, um, in in a in a very solid motor that's you know designed and 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 built to handle a lot of weight and a lot of torque. So it all starts with the design, right? So um, we spent we spend the extra money. We build these bikes with the good components and the good uh, infrastructure. So we have less very very uh, very very small amounts of warranty issues. Um, however, with any Anything, uh, whether it's any product, could be a game call, could be a tree stand, could be an e-bike, could be a normal bike, anything that has moving parts um, and or an electrical system, you know, there's there's obviously uh, errors. Right. There's there's, um, you know, stuff that can happen. So with that in mind, we have a great customer service uh, team. You give us a call um, to our customer service line uh, they'll take care of you. They'll find out what's going on. A lot of times, if you're having an issue, it can be fixed over the phone. Could be, you know, a wire got unplugged or, you know, something happened, um, where it's just a simple wire connection and we can talk you through that. Um, that's, that's pretty simple. Uh, if a battery for some reason is not working properly or whatever, give us a call. We'll send you a new battery no questions asked. Um, you know, having issues with, you know, gearing or whatever, like we'll talk you through that. Um, you know, if you're, we'll, we'll send you to a local bike shop. If, if your bike does, if it does something major and it it does fall under warranty, um, again, we, you talk to us, we will arrange, we'll find out where you're at. We'll, we will arrange for you to take that bike to a local service shop. A lot of times it is a bike shop, but it can be, you know, anywhere that can turn a wrench, it can be an ATV dealership, could be wherever. Um, but a lot of times it's a bike shop. You drop the bike off there. We'll send any parts of components that are needed if necessary. Um, they get the bike running back up and going for you. We'll give you a call, say, Hey, your bike's ready. You go pick it up and, and you're ready to roll. So we have a really good customer service team. That's one thing we really pride ourselves on is, is being on the ball, um, with that and, and taking care of the customer. And, and uh doing the right thing so um okay. we stand behind our bikes
1: <laughs> gotcha all right so adam here's here's one of my my biggest questions of the day as hunters we have gear we have a lot of gear we like to carry in we have guns we have bows we have backpacks yep tree stands and we need to sometimes get these things out to the locations where we're going um obviously you you, you you pre you prep for the hunt. Maybe you've already put up a tree stand. Maybe you don't need to carry your climber in or whatever. Yeah. But let, let's say for, for that, you've done your homework. You've got a, a place where you've already, um, kind of put your stand already. Maybe you had to walk it in or you drove it or walk or whatever. Maybe you maybe rode a four wheeler in, but from then on you want to use your bike. How do you get your backpack, your gun, your bow in with you? And are there accessories that we need to do that? And is this, or are these bikes capable in some capacity of putting a, a deer that you just shot on some kind of device and hauling it out of there? How do you do all that?
0: Yeah, no, all, all good questions. Yeah, so that brings us to our accessory line. And uh, we have a number of accessories from fenders, uh, front and rear fenders to keep the mud and the water from flying up on you. We've got a rear pannier rack that you know mounts to the the frame of the bike and allows you to strap gear down to that you can uh throw gear on there um we have pannier bags they're like a rear saddlebag system that clamps to the rear rack then you can put smaller accessories in there um you know keep a toolkit in there with the pannier bags the saddlebags um They're a rubberized, uh, dry bag material. So they're fully waterproof, which is, which is cool. And they're, they're an open top design. So, um, so I actually carry that. So how I carry my bow into the stand or wherever I'm going, um, if I'm Western hunting, elk hunting, I'll usually just have my, I'll have my heavier frame pack on and I'll, and I'll attach it to my backpack. That works really well. But, um, like when I'm whitetail hunting and I've got my day pack and, you know, maybe a tree stand on my back, I'll actually put my bow in the pannier bags. So Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll set the bow in there and then I'll, I'll, I'll cinch the straps tight and clamp everything down. And that thing's not going anywhere. It's protected. It's up off the ground and, uh, works really well. It's kind of a double purpose system. There's other bike companies that make a bow a specific bow holder, but, it mounts to the rear um, you know, part of the frame. It sits down really low. It's not protected. It's metal. It's heavy. It adds weight. Um, and what we found is just not really necessary. So I either recommend putting it in the, the pannier bags, strapping it to your backpack, or you can, um, we don't currently sell any, but you can uh, pick up some, um, like Colpin, for example, makes these ATV uh, gun and bow racks that you can either mount to the handlebars Okay. And carry your bow that way or you can you can actually mount into the to the pannier rack the rear rack as well and uh you can you can carry your bow that way so that that works really well um in that design so yeah a number of accessories and we offer a uh, a front bag you can put smaller tools and and stuff in there we offer uh, two different bike light options we offer a thousand lumen white light Which is really nice. It's super bright. Uh, If you're doing a lot of high speed riding at night, it's definitely nice to have that thousand lumen light on the front. Um, But we also offer what's called our um, Hunter 800 currently. We're changing it, um, changing the name for 2019 um, and adding some different stuff to it. But it's essentially a, a red and white option. So you got 500 lumens white light. So when you're riding down a road or a trail or whatever, you can you know, ride with the brighter light. When you get a little closer to your stand or where you're going, you can flip over to the red and, uh, you know, deer and other animals can't see that UV spectrum as well. in that light form. So, um, you can toggle over the red and go across the field and, you know, you're a little bit more covert. So those are some of the different options. Then we, uh, you know, our big one too, we have a, a, a cargo trailer. So hmm. I was just um, looking that's at nice. That.
1: Yeah. That's pretty neat.
0: Yeah. So that, that attaches to the, the rear axle currently and, um, works with any of our bikes. Um, so you can haul extra gear there. The The whole concept behind the single tire is, uh, you know, that's more maneuverable. It's, uh, you know, you can fit it through tighter areas, single tracks, and it's only as wide as the bike itself. So that's pretty cool. You can throw coolers on there. Some people do haul, um, deer or quartered meat on the trailer as well. Um, I recommend going up to about 80 to a hundred pounds max on the trailer just because, Um, with a single tire design, you're, you're having to balance the weight of whatever's in the trailer left to right,
3: Right, you know, so
0: you want to be conscious of that. Now we are working on a two tire, a two wheel design for a trailer that should come out in 2019. That's going to allow you to call heavier, you know, you want to throw a 200 pound buck on there, then, you know, that's, that's no issue at all. Um, you know, some people do utilize their, their existing game carts or trailers that they have and they'll attach them to the rear rack you know, the pannier rack that goes over the rear tire, they'll attach them that way with a U-bolt or a strap or whatever. Um, So there's lots of, lots of different options there.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Very good, man. I think we've covered an awful lot in a very short amount of time. And I appreciate you taking the time to go through all the, the bells and whistles and all that. I, I mean, I just, after listening to you talk about these things, I was, I thought these were neat to begin with, you know, but now I'm excited. Like I, I think, these are the types of things that I think can really change your day um, and, and make you way more efficient when you're trying to get out and when you only have a certain number of, of hours to get there. And I think these, this is a game changer. And I'm excited to eventually try one of these out and, and actually use them in my terrain uh, and, and go to the, the, get on my trail system. And, and instead of may, alerting the deer that I'm coming on my four-wheeler, taking this quiet device and going a, a mile away and getting into a, a more remote stand where i know the deer hanging out for the day i think this is a great device
0: oh yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely definitely cool and um like i said it all it all comes down to efficiency or like your elk hunting or or western hunting you don't want to have to walk 3 miles in you know just to get to where you get you know where the hunting is, is starting to get good and then have to walk two miles in from there you know what I'm saying like you can save your legs um it's not about being lazy it's not about being you know this this guy that doesn't want to work hard it's about you know being more efficient and getting in further quicker um with more stealth you know you're quiet um it's portable it's all all the above so it's it's very exciting stuff and um if you are going to be at ata uh jay i recommend if you uh, come stop by our booth because what's unique about this year we will have a a a test area right next to our booth that you know anybody's going to be able to come over and and ride the bikes around this area and you know really get the different feel of you know the full suspension ridge runner versus the you know folding bike versus the Canyon versus the apex, you know? So we're going to be able to, you're going to be able to jump on and, and test everything right there at our booth.
1: Perfect. We will be there for sure. So, <laughs> Sounds good. So Adam, now that we've uh, answered a bunch of questions, maybe created a whole bunch more, or if somebody is ready to pull the trigger on on one of these things, where do people go to buy these, these electric bikes, your electric bikes, your quiet cat electric bikes? And if they have more questions, where do they reach out how do they con- contact you where's your social media etc
0: yeah so if you're if you're looking for for general information and you know um you know obviously we went through a lot of stuff on the accessories and the different models here on the podcast but you i'll know, start with our website go to quietcat.com and that's q-u-i-e-t-k-a-t.com um, from there you can shop all of our different bikes all of our different accessories Um, you know you can find a lot of information you can watch videos tons of photos on there Um, and that's going to describe it's going to list out all the specs of the different models and kind of give you a good idea but again these are technical bikes Um, you know people are using these in all different parts of the country everyone has different needs everyone has different uh, price points that they're looking to hit So, um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out and give us a call. Our uh, phone number is 970-328-2399. And, uh, you know, you can talk to any one of our sales guys here. Um, You know, if you need customer support, technical assistance, you can call that same number as well. Um, But start there and, you know, we can certainly help you with your decision-making process and selecting the bike that is best for you. Now, the the best way to get a feel of these bikes is to actually ride them, you know? So, in order to to do that, you know, you can you can go to our website as well and look up our dealers. So, we have a dealer locator on our website. You can uh, type in your zip code and it'll pull up the closest dealer to your area, um, you know, or you can call us and say, hey, where's the nearest dealer to me? And we'll we'll help you find that that archery shop or sporting goods store to to uh you know have you get on a bike and try it for yourself because that's really where people are blown away that's really where you get the good feel the bike is and and what it can do because a lot of people you know think oh it's just a bike you know you can't you can't go up a steep hill you can't carry a lot of weight like they get on this thing and they're like holy cow you know this this thing takes off quick and it's got tons of power so um if you can go to a dealer you know ride one it's uh it's gonna it's gonna change change your life <laughs> for sure, and it'll give you a good idea of what you're getting into. And um, um, social media, we uh, you know we have Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think our Instagram handles Quiet Cat E We're always posting stuff on there. We're showing a lot of. Um, you know, consumer photos, people out in the field using these things, success photos, um, you know, so that's cool too. So definitely, definitely check out the social media as well.
1: Awesome, man. Adam, it's been an honor and a pleasure and thanks for coming on the show to break this all down. I know there are a lot of hunters I think are kind of sitting on the sidelines because they, they're interested, but they want more information. They want to hear from the company. They want to know all of the, the little things that they could potentially have and, and need some way to sort it out, and I think this what we just did, this conversation we just had, will break that down for him. So I appreciate you
4: coming yeah,
0: on, for sure. And Jay, uh, can I leave you with a little little story from this past this past fall?
1: Absolutely, man.
0: Take take a few minutes. So um, so for myself, I'm am an avid elk hunter, and you know, and and I work you know full time for Quiet Cat, and elk hunting requires a different like I said, mentioned earlier, you gotta, you gotta go in a couple miles or more to be in the, in the, you know, in the ballpark. And then from there, you might have to go another mile or two to kind of get in the zone, right. Where you're actually in good elk hunting and, you know, with working a full-time job during the week, um, you know, getting out and hunting after work, leaving after five, it can, it's difficult, you know, it's tough to get in a quality hunt in a couple hour time frame if you had to walk, you know, if you had to, you know, uh, you know, take a a normal vehicle in on some of these rough trails or or two track roads. So, um, this past fall opening week elk season, I was hunting, hunting in an area and I knew there was some elk in this area, but it was, it was treacherous terrain and there's no way that I was going to be able to, to get to them in time if I wasn't using a bike. So, um, one of the nights I got out I got out of work after five. I actually picked up my girlfriend at, at five thirty. It's getting dark at like seven thirty at this time. So you only have a couple hours to work with. So I pick her up, we drive up to this area, unload the bikes, and 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 basically go two miles in on the bikes. Um, you know, in this time frame. And I've got about an hour left to to play my cards. And so we take the bikes in, dump them, lean them over uh, mark them on the GPS so you, <laughs> you don't lose them. And, uh, and then, uh, it allowed me to, 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 to move in on these elk. Uh, long story short, I wasn't able to, to get a shot off the, it was at that kind of time period where the thermals are changing and the wind swirling. I'll blame it on the wind, but uh, long story short, it was not successful in that regard. But if I wouldn't have had that bike, I would have, I would have never, been able to get to those elk in time so um that's what i try to try to reiterate to people it opens up a lot of options it opens up a lot of opportunities to be able to get out there when you might only have a couple hours or you might only have 30 minutes to go check your trail cameras on your farm we're all busy um we all lead um you know stressful uh jam-packed schedule lives and uh these bikes really add to that and allow you to go farther um get in undetected it's it's portable it's quiet um so yeah, I'll, that's that's just one of the many stories that I have. I hear those every day from customers. Um and uh yeah, definitely check us out and uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Jay.
1: 15 years ago, I never would have expected that the bicycle would have influenced the hunting industry and the hunters themselves about how to efficiently and quietly get to and from your stand or your favorite hunting spots. I can see riding a bicycle to a spot, but the amount of gear that we carry and the amount of energy that we, we would expel riding bicycles and the amount of sweat that would probably drain from our bodies as we got there to uh, increase our stench and alert the deer that we were there just seems to be one of the ways in which that we probably want to avoid until the latest invention, the electric hunting mountain bike, came along with the likes of Quiet Cat to help us efficiently and quietly and without expelling a lot of extra energy to get us in and out of our favorite hunting spots far away in a short amount of time efficiently. So thank you to Adam Parr for joining us on the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. And don't forget that because of this interview that we did with Adam, Quiet Cat has generously offered all of the listeners of the Big Buck Registry a 15% discount if you go and order off their website and you use the checkout code, the special code, big buck one five big buck 15 at checkout you'll get 15 percent off your order so check that out now dusty do we have a chubby tines tip of the week
3: yeah jay absolutely you know and i'm digging kind of deep into my magic bag on what i do late season and uh the chubby tines
1: tip of the week is sponsored by Morse's
3: sporting goods
1: firearms use
3: firearms
1: bows use bows located at 85 Kentucky falls road in hillsborough new hampshire Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444, com. Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax.
3: Morse's Sporting Goods. You know, obviously the snow is starting to fly in most areas. And down south, you're not going to see that snow, but uh, just something for the snow folks that uh, are hunters. You know, maybe you've stayed out of your woods all year and, and you haven't uh, went in and seen what's going on. That that snow is... a uh, uh, a great educator. Uh, you know, it, it allows you to see where deer movement is without actually getting deep into the movement areas. Right. Uh, I like to go in with a good, good pair of optics and, uh, kind of scroll, get into the woods and, and, and work the outskirts, maybe get a couple hundred yards into the woods and kind of work my way around a little bit and see where different trails are and you know, this snow is going to educate you where that that major corridor, highway, whatever you want to call it, it's it's going to allow you to be able to get a visual on that uh, without uh, leaving a huge scent trail, good pair of rubber boots or a good pair of snow boots that are, you know, try to be scent-free as possible. And, and you, you make that venture in there and, and check out where they're traveling and, and you might be able to see a bedding area with a good pair of optics, like up on a ridge or on the hillside or, you know, just be, be gentle with it. Be careful. You can move around long as the snow is not too frozen and crusty. You can get in there and move around and, and be pretty, pretty much silent in the snow, fresh snow, especially, but uh, use it as your advantage and get in there and, and try to see what's going on. And maybe you have to make a few adjustments over to a different hillside where you see the activity of the deer. If the deer are eating acorns, in the woods right now, they're going to absolutely be tore up like a hog's been in there, rolling around and snorting and rooting. Uh, Just, you know, take time and and figure out where the deer movement is and how do you need to adjust for late season. That's a great tip. Dusty, where can we find you
1: when you're not hanging out here in the studios with me?
3: Uh, Shoot me an email, Dusty at Dusty. BigBuckRegistry.com. You can look me up on Instagram and Twitter at Chasing Antler. Facebook.com forward slash Chubby Tines Outdoors. Jay, where can the people reach out to you or you're not on the mic?
1: Likewise, you can shoot me an email, j at bigbuckregistry.com, and you can visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. We're also on Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. We are also on Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash bigbuckregistry, and YouTube, which is YouTube.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. On YouTube, you can listen to all of our podcasts in their entirety. As far as videos are concerned. It's a boring video, but the audio content is there so you can actually listen to our podcast. You can also listen to all of our live shows that we've done on Thursday nights when we do do them. And we've gone back and interviewed, re-interviewed a lot of our previous guests we had on the show just to put a face to a voice. Let's put it that way. You can always listen to our show on other places as well, not just YouTube. We're found on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Radio Spotify. Google Play, and as an Amazon Alexa skill. Go to Alexa and say, Alexa, enable Big Buck Registry. And if you would like to submit a buck to our page for consideration and be featured on our page in front of 250,000 diehard deer hunting fans, all you have to do is go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash mybuck and all of the instructions will be right there. I think that's pretty much everywhere we're at. I think that's a wrap, Dusty. That's a whole lot of big buck, Jay. Sure is. I'm Jay Scott. I'm Dusty Phillips. And this is the Big Buck Registry's deer hunting podcast. We'll see you next week.